Hello, welcome, and thanks for joining us. Our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. It's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. The market continues to rise in the face of wars, political angst, two parties that are choosing the wrong person to be their leader. And again, more Republicans don't want Donald Trump. Democrats don't want Joe Biden and who is running for president. So whoever tosses one or the other out, the other guys win. That's what it, it feels like. So once again, Republicans are doing their best to mess it up. And so are Democrats. It's a really unnerving time for many people. Politics is messy. The world is a mess. All the prognosticators are babbling about, if they're not babbling about gold or some equity index annuity BS, they're babbling about the economy or whether we're going to have a recession and uh, whether stock prices are too high or should we buy, be buying tech stocks. The constant babble. That's like mostly never right. And it just goes on and on and on and on and on and on. And we go, oh, oh, well, you know, I heard this. J.P. Morgan thinks blah, blah, blah. And it's interesting. So I had a great conversation yesterday with a longtime client, good guy. And he said, and I said, I just, I think it's really important that, you, you know, we have the humility that I simply say every single day. I don't know what the market's going to do. I don't have a market opinion. We all kind of do, but but I kind of need to push that down and say, well, I don't know. No, because people just don't realize how wrong they are. And it's like, he goes, but your clients want to know what your opinion is. And I'm like, okay, that's a fair point. And so here's my opinion. When you are given great companies at discounted prices buy them period don't don't try to figure out if like everybody was roughly a year ago a little more than a year you know 13 months whatever that you couldn't own tech stocks that were already down 20 30 40 50% you couldn't own facebook why would you buy nvidia <laughs> you got to know and then you listen to all the analysts. And I'm not talking about a few analysts. I'm not cherry-picking the ones that were wrong. The collective was so far wrong. Because one thing you have to understand about Wall Street is the collective is everything. Because if you just speak collective, you keep your job. If you say, I don't think that that's true at all couple things you may not be invited back to cnbc right you gotta you gotta you gotta play the game or second of all you might be wrong and the collective is right and now you don't have a job because nobody can understand why you thought differently than the collective so people don't they don't and so the collective was super sure that you couldn't own tech stocks even there. And you think this is a hindsight thing. No, it's not a hindsight thing. It's every time stocks are down 20 or 30% in a sector, it feels like it's going to get worse because it's already ugly. It's so ugly. And then everybody makes excuses why they owned Apple. Now they pretend they don't because it's down 50%. And they got to pretend that they never owned Amazon or hated Facebook all along. And so they dial back their rhetoric and then turn it into a big negative. Can't own tech stocks in a rising interest rate environment. That's just obvious. You can't do it. And then you get, of course, you know, the people, the famous ones like Jim Cramer, just put his head in his hands and saying, you can't own these things until interest rates go to 6%. I mean, just, you can't. Well, of course, interest rates never made it to 6%, but that's okay. we got to keep people out of good investments. 
seems that that's Wall Street's talking head business. That's all you have to know. I don't have to have an opinion of where it's going to be in the next year. And I appreciate what he's saying. I do. It's complimentary that people care what I think. But what I have to do is I have to temper that and say, but I'm wrong a lot. So we don't have to have hard rules or hard predictions for how we're going to manage money. So as we look at it this year, if your objective was cost of living income all the days of your life that you can't outlive, well, that's become a lot easier. He said, no, it's not easier. We got wars. We got idiot politicians everywhere you look. You can't swing a dead cat and not find a complete moron, a complete, a complete crook in Washington, D.C. People that are incompetent of, in every administration across the board. How can we operate like this? Our deficits are exploding out of control. It list goes on, right? Okay. The list goes on as to why you can't own stocks and why you feel that this is a very unsecure time. And you should own stocks. And they're paying higher dividends because they've got a, their, 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 their prices went down. And now you can even own some bonds because interest rates are higher for the first time in 15 years. That's why. So we often feel counter to what we ought to be thinking, to, to logic, if you will. If, if prices are down and you're like a Vulcan like Spock, you'd go, well, that's the time to buy. But not the humans. They're running around with their hair on fire, trying to figure out why it's going to get worse. Not that they have bargains in front of them. So we have to fight the emotion, and the emotion is real. It's, it's in all of our lives, and we have to fi fight our own hubris, if you will. Because, man, I was really right last year, and, man, I was, I'm on top of it now. And look at me with NVIDIA. Look at me with this company over here. It's, that is a difficult thing. And so, great point, but we don't have to predict the market. We can let the market dictate our directions. You can own bonds now for the first time in 15 years. You can go in and buy in the credit space for the first time in years because it's mispriced. You're getting more for the risk you're taking than you should. That's what you call opportunity, not to be run from, but to dive into. That's why we don't have to have prediction. I, the prediction I guess I have is that credit markets will not be as bad as they were predicting earlier this year. So far, I'm right. They're improving. So we could be investing in areas that make sense for income. If you're on the growth side, you entered this year with a once-in-a-decade opportunity to buy because these guys were all down. Alltech was just crushed in 22. A buying opportunity, frankly, we don't have to predict. We can simply say, hmm, that's a buying opportunity. Is that a prediction that it would be this good a year? No, but it sure was nice that we did buy because it was, an, uh, it is an unbelievable year, particularly for tech, particularly for tech. And it's not supposed to be like that. So if we were predicting like Wall Street, based on P.E. ratios, interest rates, all those things, that sound really smart. You didn't buy. And frankly, you never do. Because they're so afraid of being wrong short term. We're all wrong. We're all wrong. A lot. So we have to set that aside. All right. I got to take a quick break. Much more to come. And hopefully your phone calls at 580-5436-580-KIDO. And it's Dave at PetzoFinancial.net. If you prefer email, we'll be right back. Hello. Welcome. And thank you for joining us. Hey, let's dive straight to the phones to see if we have time for Gary here before we go to the top of the hour. Gary, thanks for calling. Uh, uh, good day, Dave. Good day. I, um, 
yeah, like your story about the analysts, they're always trying to predict something. Um, but what I think is going on is not only are some of these people trying to sell their services, but um, when we take a look at oh, Kramer and some of those folks, um, all of those folks are trying to sell advertising. Uh, it might be uh, car ads, beer ads, uh, pharmaceuticals. And so they have to get eyes, ears, or clicks so that uh, people will listen to them so they can make money by selling advertising. <clears throat> Absolutely. And w w the way they do that is uh, they try to stimulate your amyg amygdala, I think it is, uh, mm -hmm. the idea of getting uh, fear or um, you know fight or flight so that you have your eyes, ears, and clicks glued to whatever media they're transmitting on. Mm. For example, have you ever heard CNN say, well, there's nothing new here. We're going to shut down the transmitters and our streaming servers <laughs> and save several megawatt hours so Governor Nuisance can go charge his electric car in California. Yeah. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, exactly right. Well, yep, it's true. You know, given that, um, these analysts, um, many times you really don't know which orifice they are speaking out of. Um, <laughs> That's so, for sure. Um, maybe you should start referring to them as analysts. Uh, uh, I, you said it, I didn't. So, <laughs> Gary, thank you. I, um, I appreciate We're We're out of here. Hey, everybody, we'll talk to you in the next hour. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. You know, uh, first of all, our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. It's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. You know, I was, uh, you know, took a couple of notes for what I wanted to talk about this week with uh, Charlie Munger passing away and obviously that's uh the you know co-chairman of berkshire hathaway with warren buffett buffett's famous just as important as charlie munger to their partnership to their investment results and over the years he's just been this quiet little guy in the background but yeah he's built quite a fame actually uh, on wall street by himself 99 years old and I just was reading about the fact that he had a four-hour interview like two weeks before he died with the Wall Street Journal reporter. It's like just still going, still learning, still trying to grow. And, and uh, he called it, be, he had to be a learning machine every day. And I thought that is really something, to gear yourself to be such an avid learner in well into your 90s, almost 100. But it got me thinking about all the basics and all those things. And I have this, you know, kind of a idea book or whatever. And I, I tell you, the pages, I mean, they've got coffee all over them, scratched out notes. Some of these are 10 years old, right? I just keep them because, you know, here's one from 2021, not 10 years old, but an article, for example, says, get ready for Dow 1 million. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I got to get ready for that. And the reason I clipped it and keep it is because that's the trajectory we're on. And it's this constant reminder. I just once in a while, I run across this little, you know, little folded uh, newspaper and I go, yeah, John Templeton taught me that like 35 years ago. And, you know, I had the incredible privilege to meet with him in his office. And it's a long story. I won't bore you with the details, but it was all because I forgot my passport in the Bahamas. Or I wouldn't have got to sit with him. And I asked him, I said, years ago, you had predicted that there was 50-50 chance of the market going to X level. What do you think? He goes, I am going to be 90 years old next week. And I'm going on Louis Rukeyser's Wall Street Week. And I am going to tell him that there is a 50-50 chance of the Dow going to a million over the next century. I said, Sir John, you must have done the numbers. What does that mean? He goes, you know, actually I didn't. But 
It'll be an interesting thing. I will figure out what that is. Well, it turns out it's about it was about seven and a half percent interest. It wasn't, you know, anything extraordinary. The point being is at 90 years old, he's thinking about the trajectory of mankind, of pro- progress in the world. And I don't mean social progress because you don't like this, and maybe you like that, though. I'm talking about progress of human invention, businesses thriving, growing, creative destruction, cancer cures that make companies billions of dollars. Okay, well, you know what? Mama's alive because of that awful company that charges way too much for their drugs. Get over yourself. You know, it's just, we keep progressing. And sometimes we just have to stop and go, get ready for Dow 1 million. Yeah, that's true. It's so, so true. Charlie Munger was full of humility, understanding. He talked about being lucky. I I call it being blessed, but... He talked about being lucky, meeting the right people. All of that's true. And when you think about in life, if you think about so much of it is is a blessing, the right people at the right time. I often think about those people in my life, my early struggling days, really super struggling when I had no business talking to people about money, but some of the people did. And and they pointed me in other directions to other people, even when I was in my early twenties, and, 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 and how important those people are. And how those how important those people were to even at the end of a day, beating your head against the wall and just go <sighs> and they, you know, like a Cool drink of water. And, and and without those people in our lives, then the rest that is like, well, what do you want to do now? Because it's like so easy. We forget the struggle and, 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 and we forget the blessings and the luck of amazing people walking in the right time in your life. And he had that. He had had that understanding when somebody might say something about a company you never would have known anything about. You do the work on it and decide to buy it doesn't make you a genius hero. That idea came from somebody else. Yes, you took advantage of it. But I think that that's we sometimes miss, and, and and I always loved the way he talked about it because it helps us to understand Not all of this comes from us. It comes from other people. It comes from, for me, learning from people like Buffett and Munger, John Templeton, and others. And then maybe I have a different spin. Maybe I don't. Maybe I just quote them, and I share it with you so that you hopefully learn. Is that from me? No, it's from them, who they probably got it from somebody else. And the idea that a 99-year-old man is a learning machine is just flat inspiring to me because I don't feel like I am. Not the way he was. I mean, I'm not 99. It inspires me to want to do more, to be better, to think more deeply about what I'm going to be in the next half of my life. Well, I guess it's not quite a half, probably. As we all should be. What am I reading? What am I thinking about? What am I growing in? Am I flexible and able to change? I I really think that we all have to be flexible. It doesn't mean 
we twist in the wind. We watch politicians twist in the wind, and appropriately, we make fun of them. Right? That politician has no core. Yeah. They, many of them, most of them don't. They have no belief system at all except staying in power. It's not that you give up who you are to be flexible. It's that you hear outside opinion. You don't just dismiss it. You don't yell over it. You hear another point of view. And when it comes to investing, it's the same exact thing, right? I'm a value guy. Well, wait a minute, but that means you don't own Google and Apple and NVIDIA and companies that are have dominated the world for decades. So you have to change and be flexible. You know, and, and, and I think that's a great lesson. So as I look at all of these little things, whether it's get ready for Dow 1 million, and, and, and you think about, this was from an email from jo, uh, Steve Jobs that he sent to himself. And I, I think it's an important thing for us to think about when it comes to investing, our lives, everything else. And he simply said, I grow little of the food I eat. And of the little I do grow, I did not breed or perfect the seeds. I do not make any of my own clothing. I speak a language I do not, did not invent or refine. I did not discover the mathematics I use. I am protected by freedoms and laws I did not conceive of or legislate and do not enforce today. I am moved by music I did not create. When I needed medical attention, I was helpless to help myself survive. I love and admire my species living and dead, and I am totally dependent on them for my life and well-being. And I think about that. This is one of the great innovators of our time. Charlie Munger, one of the great investors of our time. None of us, nobody, does this on their own. And I think it's great that we simply say that. It's not me. I didn't do all this. You're hearing my voice on the radio. I had nothing to do with this microphone. I can't make a pencil. And there's this interesting book that I read recently, listened to. And it's the uh, Rational Optimist. Didn't read the whole thing again. I, I've read it years ago. And it, you don't need to. But it talks about why humans are so different. Why we should have an optimistic outlook. Why we keep improving and why the world gets better. Is because we don't know how to make a pencil. People know how to make the little cap on the eraser. Some people, companies, make the eraser. Some people log the wood. Some people mine the lead. Nobody makes a pencil. Nobody runs a radio station. It's all connected. Somebody invented the radio. Somebody's out selling ads. Somebody's the talent behind the microphone driving listenership. All interdependent. And they're totally dependent on having somebody else feed them. <laughs> right? Farm food. We as a collective are different than any other species because we all are out doing our own thing that helps the collective advance in ways that nothing else has. So it, it is interesting when we think about people like Charlie talking about all these other people. 
all his collaborative efforts, all trying to learn all the time at 99 years old and giving it up for four hours in interviews to teach and through that process to continue to grow. And totally understanding, as brilliant as he was, as successful as he was, as amazing as he was, to hold that humility and understanding that a lot of it's luck, blessings, and others that have helped lift all of us up. And when we think that way, we don't have to try to be a hero in predicting what the market's going to do. We simply say, get ready for Dow 1 million. Huh. Okay, but, but what's the market going to do in 2024? Well, I'm going to leave it up to the baboons at J.P. Morgan and Goldman Sachs so that they can completely get it wrong. So we've got the S&P roughly at 4,600. You know where it's supposed to be, according to J.P. Morgan? And most of Wall Street, 3,200. Thank you. Thank you for that help. Really important to understand. I shouldn't be owning stocks in 2023. Super important. I don't know how that helps to make predictions that are not just because they're like stupid and wrong. It's because you can't know the future. So stop it. Don't, don't carry it like an arrogance. We talk to so many people, and you can't believe how certain they are of their opinions, and they never stop to say, you know, I've been wrong four out of the last six years by a mile. I mean, it's not even close. I can't, I can't make up stuff to say I was right. But here I go with complete certainty of what's going to happen over the next 12 months. Even a young man, it was interesting, one of our wholesalers said, you know, I, I agree with Dave on, you can't predict the market, but I think the economy is pretty easy to predict. <laughs> yeah, ask the Federal Reserve how that's going for them the last two years. They can't even get interest rates right. Seriously. By a magnitude that's not even possible, and that's the Federal Reserve. It's not easy to predict the future of any kind. Mark Twain was right. You know, you just can't. And we need to have that kind of humility that says, I don't know. And that's okay. Because we're going to let things happen and we're going to react to those things. And we are going to move forward in a reasonable way. On our march to Dow 1 million. We don't have to say it's all coming this year. I don't have to predict with any accuracy at all whether the market's going to go up or down to tell you that throughout 2024, we're going to have opportunities to buy things that are a little cheaper than other things. We're going to have an opportunity to sell things that are more dear than other things, to produce income, cost of living adjusted, better than we could even two years ago. That's the reality in front of us, and that's all we need to do. I have my own opinions. I just try to snuff them out every single day. Every day. If it's good enough for Charlie and Warren to say, what's your market opinion? And the answer is, we don't have a market opinion. We've never had a market opinion, and we'll never have a market opinion. Maybe that'll work for me, too. Maybe I don't need to waste a lot of time having a market opinion and trying to prove to people how smart I am about predicting the future. Maybe. Maybe just maybe it'll actually help me manage money better. Our number is 580-KIDO, 580-5436. It's Dave at PetzelFinancial.net. It's your turn. We'd love to hear from you. We'll be right back. 
Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. Uh, once again, our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. It's Dave at PetsoFinancial.net. You know, another we lost another great statesman, um, gentleman, brilliant mind, Henry Kissinger this past week. Uh, also 100 years old, right? Uh, right there. Um, it, and, and really, the Wall Street Journal just uh, went to great lengths, I mean, talk, to, to really talk about his life. Many editorials, uh, many articles on uh, how much influence he had in the United States and around the world, really. Uh, it's just amazing. And he, too, another interesting thing, was engaged until the very end. Amazing. It's just amazing to me. And, you know, I think, oh, I'm tired or I don't have the energy I used to. Well, you know what? That's, that's, that, by the way, apparently doesn't have to be fatal. <laughs> it doesn't mean I'm on my way down. So uh, if these folks can do it at 100 years old, I, I, I think we all can, right? Well, Henry Kissinger, though, this was one of the things I just, you know, kind of a quick aside here. I, I didn't realize, but he came over when he was 15 years old from Nazi Germany. They, they escaped. Came to America from Nazi Germany. And unfortunately, on the day of his death, we're now grappling again. Again. Uh, who would have thought with anti-Semitism? It's, it's stunning to me that we're in those throes again. But what an interesting life this gentleman lived, and um, I, I just—it's—it's it's hard to pick a two people passing in the same week here. Uh, I'm sure it's happened many times in history where two great statesmen passed at pretty much the same time. But that was—that's really something. I mean, that's—that's that's just quite remarkable, and uh, two remarkable gentlemen that we lost this week. All very active. Till the very, very end. Pretty amazing. All right, real quick here. Uh, on to one other, uh, if you will, year-end year housekeeping item. If you haven't done your required minimum distributions, you got to get them out, okay, before the end of the year. But again, remember, you can give them away to charity and not have to pay taxes on it, and it does count towards your your qualifying required minimum distribution, okay? However, I have to say this over and over again so people remember, whoever your custodian is of your IRA, it doesn't matter. They are not determining whether your church is a charitable organization or not. It's not up to them. You need to tell your accountant. So if you do that, you give to part of, you know, part of your uh, required or all of it, you can do that up to $100,000 a year. So you can give even more than your required minimum distribution. If that's what you choose to do out of your IRA directly, you have to let your, your tax preparer know that you did that, there's nothing noted on the 1099 other than you took that money out and need to pay taxes on it. So be aware of that. That is up to you to let your tax preparer know so that they can make the notation on your tax return, okay? All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break and wait for your calls at 580-5436-580-KIDO. Dave at PetzoFinancial.net. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thank you for joining us. 580-5436-580-KIDO. Yeah, we're just reflecting uh, a little bit on some of the basics, if you will. Uh, Warren Buffett, Charlie Munger helped all of us think, think differently, right, about investing. Not running around with our hair on fire. This is how you be a great trader. No, you buy and hold and and, and, and honestly, talking about some of the things they missed. Not owning tech stocks for too long. Not piling into Apple when they, even when they better understood how great a company it was. Yeah, they own a lot of it. It's one of their biggest home runs ever. 
but they didn't buy it early or with as much, you know, investment as they, you know, as Charlie said, which they would have embraced sooner. But the thing is, is when things are working really well, and they obviously did for Berkshire Hathaway, it's hard to change. And I think hats off when people do. This works really well. Okay. But let's not get married to it. Not get married to it. Not at all. You, uh, you, you can't. We need to change. You know, I, I think of some of these little tidbits uh, that I like to talk about from time to time. Because we talk about this, you know, oh, the market's too high. Okay, well, then you missed it, right? Because <laughs> it's always too high in somebody's mind, right? Or you have to buy gold. And I hear those commercials all the time, right? Well, when I started in the industry in 1980, gold was at $800 an ounce. The Dow Jones Industrial Average was at 800 It really was. Both were the same. No income, no dividends, nothing later. Gold is at 2000 just a titch over. We all know that the Dow is in the 30-some thousands, 36,000, not including dividends. You know, it's just not even close. And when I hear this, you know, you got to protect yourselves in times of uncertainty and all that stuff. It reminds me of, you know, when we were turning over the millennium. Y2K. Woo, woo, woo. All the sirens in the background. Sell your house. Got to buy gold. Go get, go get water because, you know, the wells will all dry up. The elevators won't work. The planes will fall out of the sky. There were even lots of people saying that what was going to happen was all of the missile codes were going to launch. Complete waste. Not just wrong, but wrong in a way that fear only can drive people to do silly things. Not just because you didn't buy stocks. But you made big decisions, all or nothing decisions. And we need to learn from that. And this idea that, you know, well, gold is the, you know, store of value. All right. Well, I guess if you don't want to store your value at whatever the made up number is from 800 to 36,000 dividends not included, which really means it's more like 70,000. Or I can have no income and just more than double. So I could have like a 1% return. But that's real. Somehow that's real. Um, but the gain in the market isn't somehow real. And we get these drives. Like, I, I should move my IRA there. I should be really, really scared. They're printing money. You know what? They were saying the same thing in 1980. I'm not saying we're doing everything right. I'm not saying that. Washington, D.C. is run by really smart people. Contrary, they're not. But generally speaking, corporate America is. Corporate world is innovating and creating and growing. So we advance. We keep moving, which is best represented by the market. Always. So when we look at that, and we also look at some of the fun things, right? That in my lifetime, we've had precisely 19 bear markets and 19 bull markets. Now, you might say 20 because the market dipped into, you know, in the last year and got close, but not all indices did. So let's just kind of, you know, eh, eh, kind of in between. But here's the numbers, okay? So the average bear market of those 19 is down 27%. Okay? That's pretty ugly. Ugh. So peak to trough, it's down 27%. The average bull market is up 74. I'll take it. What does that lead to when we do the math? It leads to what you already know. 
the market goes up 10% a year on average, and it's never anywhere close to 10%. It's way down, way up, but it averages that over long periods of time. Well, what is that with inflation? Well, it's seven. That's what it is. After inflation, it's seven. Seven a year, real return. Or you can put it in gold, and then your return every year is minus three. Because that's what inflation's been, and you get no dividends, so it's minus three every year. But you can safely hold on to it, and it makes you feel good, I guess, if nobody steals it. But I'd rather have the cash flow, the, the, the dividends coming in. Cash flow is great from corporations. Dividends coming in, raising dividends every year. That's what the markets do. And it's just not an argument. That's, that's all. So when we look at those things, I'm not cherry-picking data. We could talk about data of when the Dow didn't gain anything during the 1970s. It went nowhere. Like 38 points for the entire decade of the 1970s. More than made up for it in the 80s and 90s, but you, you get the point. There's tough periods of time. 2000 through 2010, the lost decade for stocks. Same story. Didn't go anywhere. There's long periods of time where it's really nice to collect those dividends because that's all you get, right? That's all you get generally. And we hear so many stories about it. So many stories. And fear driving it. Well, this Wall Street analyst or this person over here I've never heard of that person, but they apparently predicted every downturn in history, according to the Internet. I should probably click on that. Oh, weird. I wound up at Stanbury Research again. Oh, my gosh. Can you imagine that? What incredible luck that is. It's amazing. And we have to be careful, too, because on a permanent basis, when things are working really well, like decades ago, the automobile manufacturers were big stocks in this country. We have to be flexible and say, hmm, I think something's changed. They're not so big, important anymore. All right, let's go ahead and go to the phones. Let's go to Terry. Terry, thanks for calling. Go ahead, please. Oh, good morning, Professor. Good morning. Well, I sure am happy I uh, stopped paying attention to the markets and turned my money over to a professional years ago. It's kind of relaxing, isn't it, a little more? <laughs> well, when when I see what, and again, I don't understand what happened Thursday. Up 500 on the Dow and yep. up 20 on the S&P. The, there used to be percentages involved. Even, even gold played along. When this was up, gold was down and... What is there any rhyme or reason, or are we just in a uh, something gone wrong out there? No, it's a really good point. It, it really, really is. Okay, so the correlations change over time, though. The, you know, if it was really as easy as, hey, if if interest rates are up, then the market's down and gold's down. You could trade that way, but you hear it all the time when people are like. Oil prices were up today, so market fell. And then the next day, oil prices were up today. That's why the market's up. Huh? Huh? I thought you, you just said the opposite yesterday. And they do. And so, Terry, those kind of correlations do change over time or go away altogether or never re or really were kind of sort of made up. And that's like the whole idea that you can't own tech stocks in a rising interest rate environment is what everybody was saying and it's simply not true. And when you think about it logically, it also makes no sense. It, it, the only thing you could buy is growth. Because if you are in a, high, a rising interest rate environment, meaning bonds or, you know, whatever, CDs, whatever, are all competing for the money, then why do I care about the dividend yield over here on this slow-growing utility that's only 4% when I can go get 5.5% in, in money markets? Okay, that is a competitor to that. Is that a competitor when Amazon goes down 40%? No, it's not a competitor. It's not. They don't borrow money. They don't, they don't care. Uh, if anything, the billions they have on their balance sheet now is worth 
billions more because they're getting interest when yesterday they weren't. And so all of this stuff makes no sense. We used to have a saying in the computer, you know, when people would wonder how you got that out of the, the idiot box, it's just smoke and mirrors. It is. And, and also, that's why it's important to understand it's a bad idea ever to watch financial news. And the reason why yeah. is you just don't know. Because they're parroting each other, and you, if you don't have the background, you don't know what is absolutely or, wrong. Or, 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 or the cynicism. Pardon me, I just correct. throw that in there. Yeah. <laughs> it, you have to be s- cynical, but you don't want to be overly. And at the same time, you know, see, so how do you find that balance when you don't even know what's real or what's not? And you don't. And so it, it is something we talk about all the time. It is literally dangerous to your financial future to watch financial news. Now, is it okay for Dave to watch it? Yeah, I could watch it because I know who's mumbling about nothing. I just don't. I don't choose to do that. Now, there are times when I hear, oh, Joe Schmo is on. I want to hear that. Okay? So I'll try to find that. Because why? Because they actually are insightful. Uh, it's like me sitting here talking about Charlie Munger, reading the articles about him, and, 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 and listening to Warren Buffett and quoting it and reading about him and, and, and John Templeton. Why? Because they're insightful, they're wise, they're thoughtful. I can learn from them. Do I learn from saying, oh, the market can't go up until we hit 6%. That's it. And then the next day, it's like, oh, happy days are here again. No, we never went to 6. We never did this. But uh, with the market up, hey, wow, I got to be positive now. You know how that is. And that's not helpful. That's anti-helpful, right? It just is really harmful. And so we do have to be careful with what our inputs are. And if we don't know what they are, then we avoid it. And that's why I always point back to the Wall Street Journal, because you have time to digest it. It's not yeah, screaming it, and yelling it, at you. you. You just keep up the, that it's for the entertainment factor. You keep that tattooed on your forehead somewhere. Yeah, you have to. But I think also, you know, you, you have to whittle your time into what makes sense. And if it's entertaining, I guess, okay, okay. I, I can't argue with that, but I, I don't find it being helpful, and people seriously, oh, it's just entertaining, and I'm learning a little bit. No, you're not. You don't even know what you're learning right or wrong, because you don't have all the history of the markets to know when somebody's mumbling about nonsense. Yeah. No, as I said earlier, I'm confused as all get out about this. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's because we lay over top of the economy our feelings about we're heading in the wrong direction. Mm-hmm. That is all true. And we're spending too much money. And how does that end? Well, all of that is true. But we have to understand that those are two different things. Fight the good fight on the political side. Let's get some decent people there. Let's get a good leader, right, who wants oh, to I'll- do something good for the country. And let's get that done. And let's not over ride what's what the you know amazon google all these others are out there kicking tail they're just they, yeah. they just are yeah well i'd like to bring up the young fellow down south malaley and let him have a go at this political foolery back there the profligate idiots hmm. but uh oh well until we get some cutting going on here we're just gonna all be in trouble Again, budget is budget. My budget, government's budget, it's got to balance sooner or later. Or sooner or later. Happen. we got to get to it, and we got to find some <laughs> honest politicians to get us there. Terry, thank oh, you. That's oxymoron. It is. I know. I know. <laughs> Have a beautiful day. Same to you, David. Thank Thanks. you. And our number is 580-5436-580-KIDO. Dave at PetzalFinancial.net. We're going to have one more segment after this. We'll be right back. Hello, welcome, and thanks for joining us. Hey, comments, questions, what have you. We've got articles to help you with your own financial planning. We've also got cool stuff like the income story, the greatest story never told, which is really helpful to understanding how you produce cost-of-living adjusted income in retirement. Podcasts, YouTube videos, all that stuff is at Petso Financial. Dot com, And we'd love to hear from you. So uh, if you have any comments, questions, uh, what format you like, you know, again, 
If you like what we're doing, great. But we need to hear that, too, from time to time. And if you don't, we want to hear that, too. I know from time to time I get people are upset because they think I hate Donald Trump and, you know, things like that. But it's not, I, you know, I want to win. I want the I want the country to get back to a decent, non-polarized, we'll still be polarized, but something, something better. And these two guys, I don't. So thank you for your comments on that. I appreciate it. But I'd also like to know if, if financial... The financial format or the format we have with some podcasts, things like that. Let us know what you think and give us some ideas of what we should be talking about as well. Okay. All right. We are the market is where it's not supposed to be. I'll bet you could say that last year and the year before and five years before that. It just doesn't do what the collective thinks it's supposed to do. It doesn't. Over short periods of time, over long periods of time, it does. And that's what our focus needs to be. When you think about putting away a cup of coffee a day, $5 a day, $5 a day, and over a 40-year period, that's $1.1 million. By the way, it's $72,000 of coffee grows to 1.1 million over that time, doing nothing. You are required to do nothing, and you get rich. Getting rich in this country is so easy, it's absurd. You would think it was illegal. But we twist it. We turn it. We worry about things we can't even impact. We go buy gold and, and hide out in things that make no sense. We run in fear instead of starting businesses. We run from it. And then sometimes I just go, what is the matter with us? What is the matter with us? That fear overrides the logic right in our face. It's always worked. Why won't it work this time? I know you've got your reasons, but seriously, get real. And have a great weekend. We'll talk to you next week.